not a successive series. So often our series, we just finished Daniel, and we often do series that kind of go in succession, and one after the other. And this morning is a series that we're starting today, but we'll just come back to every once in a while. So in a few weeks, we're going to look at what's so important about generosity. And then throughout the year and the years to come, every once in a while, we'll do a what's so important about stuff. Sometimes it's, um, there's, there's topics and, and, and issues that are, you don't necessarily find in what we're dealing with are going through, but it's important in the life of the church. And so this morning we're going to look at, at prayer. Listen, I am not a great gift giver, okay? Uh, so, but there's one time a year I like to give gifts, and it's around Christmas time. And, and uh, one of the things at Christmas I love to do is to give surprise gifts when I know that I know what my kids and my wife want, and like I know it, and so I can secretly buy it or, or get it, and then I can, I, I love the whole process of hiding it and surprising them with it and stuff. I probably get that from my dad. He's over here, and he used to give a, a surprise gifts every year as kids and stuff like that. Um, and this is especially important because my wife's love language is gifts, and so it works out really well for me if I do it well. And uh, some of the things I've, I've really, as I thought back, um, there was one year with the girls where we bought like a, a new desk and a, and a toy kitchen. They were really young, and I was able to set that up late Christmas Eve after we went to Christmas Eve service and had people over and all that, and it was too late, and, and they woke up to it all ready to go, and that was pretty exciting for me to see them uh, do that. Um, with Wesley, it was an Xbox, so same type of thing, had stuff set up, and, and, uh, and with Stephanie, there's been several things. So one year, I, I, when we were first married, I bought a ring. I mean, now I'd probably be embarrassed. It wasn't much of a ring, but for us, it was a big deal, and, and so I planned that and had that ready to go. One year, um, uh, I got, like, do you know what a, a cathode ray tube TV is? Do you know those the little 13-inch things? So we wanted a second TV, and that's what I, I got, a little 13-inch color thing. And we had, like, a wardrobe in our bedroom that had shelves where she kept blankets. And so I took the blankets out and had that all installed secretly and everything so I could open that up. I was pretty proud and excited about that, for sure. Um, a number of other things uh, during... Uh, Three years ago, Stephanie went through cancer treatment, and, and there was a song and, uh, and some, uh, a passage that really meant a lot. So I had those uh, painted and framed and was able to surprise her with that. This past year, it was um, tickets to Hamilton. And so I just like doing those types of things. I'm not <laughs> generally good at that, but that's a time where I, I feel like I can kind of do my part and make up for a lot of other things. And what I want you to understand, all right, is that God is way better, right? God is way, way better than that. He loves every person. He's created every person, everyone. But those who choose to follow him and draw near, he calls his children. And he especially loves to give good gifts to his children. I think it's important to say that. Because I think a lot of us have had some disappointment and have had some times with God where we have some issue. We've sought him for something, we've asked for something, and it hasn't worked out the way we want, or we continue to wait. So I think it's important. Now, what's so important about prayer? I, I don't need to tell you that. You all know prayer is important. It's like flossing, right? You ever go to the dentist, they're like, how many times do you floss? And so 
I don't floss daily. I should. I know that. You're probably like, ew, I'm not talking to him afterwards. But maybe if you're like the average Canadian, you don't either. And you, you know you should. You know you love the feeling of it. You know you like it when your teeth are clean. You just haven't built it into your practice and habit. You've heard the statistics. You felt the guilt when, you know, a dental hygienist says you really should. And, you know, all these things. It's the same way sitting down in a surface at home or here and having a pastor say, you should pray more. You know, it's important. And you think, yeah, I, I really know I should pray more. We all know that. But why don't we? Why don't we? And so uh, a number of things I'm going to teach this morning are from uh, some of the things I've learned in, uh, in some mentoring I've been through over the past eight years from uh, an organization called Church Renewal. So it's based in Canada, out, out west, and uh, it's kind of around the world now, but it's just to, to help pastors and churches be renewed. It's not a revival ministry with tents and all that stuff. Renewal, that we would have strong, steady, ongoing, growing relationships with Jesus as churches and as individuals. There's three main reasons I think we know we ought to pray, but we don't. There's probably a whole lot more, but I think the first one is pride. And it comes about like this. We, we acknowledge God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. And when it comes down to this pride piece, I think it's really about trust, right? Who do we trust to run our lives? Because God has given us the capacity as human beings to run a lot of our lives quite well, especially if we put some work in to be a little bit self-disciplined and things like that. We can run things pretty good, and we don't need God all the time. Or at least we think. And so it's hard to trust God sometimes because if our perspective is that he's kind of up there and we're kind of down here and we're worried he's going to mess with things, right? <laughs> Except when you're desperate and you really need him to come and do something, then oftentimes we don't speak to him. And so I think one of the reasons we know we ought to pray and we don't and why it's so important to is, is pride. We just don't trust him. A second is pretty basic. Laziness and discipline. We just haven't built a habit. We talked about that a little bit last week. We haven't built the habit of prayer, speaking to God, listening to him, spending time with him, that we might become more like Jesus. Prayer is not about getting something from God. It's about being with God. And as we're with God, we become more like Jesus. And he does answer. But sometimes we're just not disciplined. We're a little lazy. And thirdly, unbelief. You know, James says we don't have because we don't ask. And sometimes we don't ask because we've been discouraged or disillusioned. We've been distant from God from a time. Something's happened in our life. And we're disappointed. And we, we just can't go to God one more time. And so we just have this, this, this doubt sit on us, this unbelief. But if we're not asking, uh, God doesn't answer. Not because he's a cruel father, but he's waiting for us to come. It's about relationship. Prayer's about relationship, right? It's no, not about getting what we want. So here's what I want you to know. God is always listening. He always answers. Okay? God is always listening. He always answers. He doesn't always answer in the timing we want. He doesn't always answer the way we want. It doesn't always work out exactly as we envisioned in our minds. But he always listens and he always answers. And he's always willing to walk with us. And Jesus speaks about this in Luke 9. I'm not going to look at all of Luke 9, but I encourage you to go back this week and read the parable that I'm skipping over, the par parable of the persistent um, friend at midnight. But after this parable, 
Jesus said this, and this may be familiar to you, Luke 9, uh, 11, 9 to 13. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. This is kind of like a short poem with three parts, right? So you ask and receive. You seek, you find. You knock, the door gets open to you. Why? Because God does want to have you receive. He does want you to find. He does want to open doors to you. He's a good father. And he loves to give gifts to his kids. He loves to answer prayer. So asking. Let's pick this part a little bit. Ask for something that only he can provide. Someone else other than you, being God, can provide. That's what we ask God for. These things that we can't do on our own. That's why we go to him and we ask him. Um, sometimes we don't ask because we don't have a relationship with him, but there are things that only he can do. One of the seasons of our life uh, when we were first married is that we were told we could never have kids, or at least it would be really, really difficult. And so we started praying right away. Uh, I remember praying right somewhere over here uh, before we left this church and went into ministry while I was still in Bible college. And and we had people pray over us and lay hands on us. And, and then we went to some other services and, and were prayed over as well. And shortly after that, we found out uh, that uh, Stephanie was pregnant with Alyssa. But it, uh, Alyssa was born premature. And there were times like we just didn't have the money even to travel from where we lived to London where she was in the hospital for a month. And people came alongside us and would give gifts without us asking. And God just continued to do things when we'd ask. And so... We've experienced times, and I could share all sorts of other stories, where God has blessed us because we've asked. Not because we're special, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a child of the Most High. And I'm the same as the rest of you. We just sometimes need to ask. Then we need to seek. We need to seek. Sometimes it's for something that's been lost. Sometimes it's for something we don't yet have. And so we seek for things. Have you ever lost something important? You ever do that? Some personality types are more prone to others. So keys are one thing, a passport, uh, maybe wrote down a name. Glasses. Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's probably older people do that more than younger people, but you do it. Where's my glasses? Where are they? Right? They're up here. They're on your head, right? You don't know where they are. Uh, you lose. Th the thing that I tend to do most is I have something that's really important, whether it's a, like a document, a thing, a key, a little bit, a tool thing that only works for that thing, and I put it away for the day when I might need to use it, and I put it in the place where I'll never forget it. Where is it? I don't know. I haven't got a clue where I put it. I don't know. We seek for those things... We We've lost. We seek for the things we don't yet have. What are you seeking? Some of us are seeking God for restored health, for salvation of a family member, for strength in a struggle, for freedom from sin, for those deep things you don't yet have, or for the things that you've lost in life. Keep seeking and you'll find. And finally, Jesus says, knock and the door will be open. You knock on a door to gain access to where you can't yet go. And only God can do that. And I don't know where you're at in life, but lots of us have things that are just, we just don't know what's next, or there's an opportunity, or we're looking for something. That's where we were at when we were looking to have children. Some people do that to find a spouse, or a job, or an opportunity. There's just something, you, a direction you'd like to go. The door's just not open yet. 
And so you're waiting for God. We used to sing a song here, God will make a way. And it goes something like, God will make a way uh, when there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. God will make a way for me. He will be my guide. He'll hold me closely to his side. He works in ways we cannot see. God will make a way for me. God wants to make a way for us. He's a good father. All three of these in the Greek, and I really like the New Living Translation, the one that we read this morning, um, because it translates it well. Because it's not ask, seek, knock. It's keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. That's the way the Greek is written. That's the way it would have been read. It's this perpetual thing. Sometimes when we read this parable, I remember I first really encountered this parable in Bible college. I had to do a whole paper on it and things, and I remember learning lots about it. It was great. I encourage you to read it again. Um, but sometimes it, it, it brings up a little bit of guilt because uh, as, as we look at this Luke 11 passage, there's this parable, I need to be persistent in prayer. And then Jesus is saying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And then he's going to talk about God being good father. We'll get there in a minute. And there's like this guilt-inducing thing. Like it seems like it's all focused on me. And so we get this warped theology where people are sick. Why are you not healed because you don't have enough faith? Now, someone doesn't have any faith and doesn't believe in God at all. Um, that could be something and doesn't ask. But God asks us just to place simple faith in him. God's not limited by my faith or my ability to obey. He's the father. How many of you as parents are limited because your kids can't go to work and gain the money you need for your house? You don't expect your kids to do that. We don't do God-sized stuff because we're not God. And so I want us to think about this in a little different way. I think one of the promises and great pieces of this passage isn't that simply we're encouraged to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. The encouragement is we're able to keep on seeking, asking, knocking because God keeps on giving. And we keep on finding and he keeps on opening doors and we can keep going back to him again and again and again. He wants us to come more than we want to be there with him. Why would he do that for us? Why would he do that for us? It's because he's a good father. He's a good father. And then Jesus talks about that. So we can skip ahead to verse 11 there. You fathers, if you ask your children for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? So Jesus is saying things that we all understand, we all get. You human fathers, if your child asks for a fish, do you give them a snake? No. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to good give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's a rhetorical question. Look, on our best days, the holiest human being who's ever walked. Now, Jesus was both human and God, fully God, fully human. So he's, we're not going to consider Him. But any human who's ever walked the earth other than Jesus, the best person on their best day is still fallen. Even though we're redeemed, we're saints, we're not sinners, all that, we still have a fallen nature. Uh, we get a new, new nature, but we still have the power of sin at work. So, on our best days, the best fathers on earth still aren't as good as God. And if we who are sinful, by nature, even when we're redeemed and spiritual, if we know how to give good gifts, how much more does the Father 
know how to do that. And then Jesus gives us the example of the best thing that God's ever done. So that we would know, hey, this is true. He says, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll give it. Like God will give it. Who's the Holy Spirit? It's not an it, not a present. It's the third person of the Trinity. It's God. It's God's nature, God's presence. At this point in time, while Jesus is speaking, the day of Pentecost hasn't yet come. But now, every person who believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, and we receive his Holy Spirit. we got a new nature. God's presence is with us. We're united with him. And we're just waiting for Jesus to come back and complete the work that he's begun inside, and he'll restore new heavens and new earth and make all things new, and uh, the heavens and earth will come down and be joined in the new Jerusalem, and, uh, and we'll get new bodies, and uh, it's all complete. But the work has already started inside. We get his presence. The best thing God can give us is him. And he's already done it at the moment we ask for salvation. And so Jesus is saying, look, here's an example. God is a good father. Are you still, um, are you still struggling with the desire to pray? Uh, maybe, maybe that's the case. Um, are you still doubting that God wants to hear your prayers? Because he knows me, right? He knows you, and he doesn't want to answer, or maybe you feel he doesn't want to answer you. Are you still doubting that he wants to listen to you, that he invites you to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking? It's a lady by the name of Tracy Mink, and she is the pastor of missions at our Red Deer uh, Alberta Church, um, Crossroads uh, Church, Evangelical Missionary Church in Red Deer, Alberta. Um, she's also on our board of directors for our denomination, the Evangelical Missionary Church of Canada. And about a month ago, we gathered for our National Assembly. Every two years, all the pastors and churches and delegates gathered together, and we had several people from Country Hills there. It happened to be in Ontario. And Tracy Mink shared part of her testimony. And I was so moved by it, I asked her, I said, look, if they happen to record this, do you think I could share it with our church family? And she was more than happy, and they did. And so if you're still doubting that God wants you to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, if you're doubting that he's a good father and wants to listen to you and wants deep relationship with you, maybe this will help. Love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Okay. Good morning. <laughs> so a little context. Um, I joined the EMCC in 2012, and the 10 years prior to that, I was working as a missionary in East and Central Africa, and I was working with a relief and development organization called World Concern. And I had been out there for, yeah, nine and a half years and, or a bit, and my last term out there was serving as a response to the famine that was happening in 2011 to 2012 in the Horn of Africa. So I was running that response and working among Somalis. During that term, a couple of amazing things happened. I met my husband, who is from Calgary, which is a Canada connection. I'm originally from the States. I also met people from Crossroads Church. There was a small team that was out there that I hosted for a little while which eventually ended up being where I worked and where I continue to work to this day. So it was a great number of connections that were made. 
So 2013, I moved, well, 2012, I moved to Canada near the end of the year. And so 2013 was a banner year. It was my first full year in Canada, my first full year working in my new role as a missions pastor at Crossroads Church in Red Deer, Alberta. I got married in February, got pregnant in April, and had our first child December 31st. So it was a big year, 2013. Go forward a few years, we were hoping to grow our family. And in 2015, had my first pregnancy loss, and then had another one, and then had another one. And clearly felt like having more children was not in their books for us. Um, after the second loss, I remember being in the clinic after the, the ultrasound had shown that there was no heartbeat. I was devastated. Um, I walked into the bathroom down the hall, and I heard for the first time a very audible voice, and I knew it was God. I looked around just in case, but there was no one in the hall. But I heard two words. He said, trust me. I was like, okay. And I'm so grateful, you guys, when he speaks. He doesn't speak to me that way very often, but what a powerful message. I needed that word, those words. So I carried those words, trust me, for a number of years as we continued with losses and just losing hope in terms of what our family would be able to grow. I always wanted more children. So fast forward a number of years, we jumped into the adoption process and started the waiting. And anybody who knows anything about adoption, typically it goes alongside with a lot of waiting. So waiting, 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 knowing it'd be a few years, but knowing that we were to trust him. So at about five years, no progress or very little, our hope was starting to decline for sure. And I would say by summer, last summer, which was about five years exactly, things got really, really hard. Um, our agency that we were with typically had six placements, so six kids were placed into homes in a year. And that summer, in one month, they had six placements. And I remember calling the agency and being so excited, full of hope again, what number are we? And she says, you haven't moved. You're still the same place. So no one had picked us, and everyone that had been picked was behind us in line. And I just thought, man, we must be too old, too Christian, too something. I don't know. And all the lies that Satan can throw in at you were coming. All the reasons why we were not suited to grow our family through adoption. In the fall, so on a Sunday in November, a gal that I know at church, but I don't connect with a lot. We don't hang out. I hadn't seen her in quite a while. I saw her across the sanctuary, and I just had this clear draw, like a magnet towards her, and she to me. So I waved at her, and we connected, and she's, right away, she jumped in. How's the adoption going? I was like, oh. Like, I was so frustrated. At this point, it's five and a half years of waiting, not moving up the list much, and just feeling like this isn't for us. And so I shared my frustration, and she heard that. And she said, Tracy, I just want you to know, I don't know what it means, but I had a dream about you. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Why is Melissa dreaming about me? <laughs> so she said the adoption agency in her dream had called her and asked her to be a reference to see if we would be a good family or not. So I took that, you know, and remembering I'm supposed to trust him, but also feeling a lot of discouragement. But then this word was really, 
really interesting. I didn't know what to do with it. You know, it doesn't come with instructions. <laughs> you know it's God, but you don't really know beyond that what it's supposed to do. So I grabbed that. So a couple days later, I was on my way to Kitchener for our first in-person board meetings. And in the airport was Charlie. So Charlie and I had never met in person, Charlie Bowen. And uh, we started connecting and getting to know each other and sharing each other's stories. And of course, because of the season I was in, I was sharing part of my story is the, the frustration and the discouragement of wanting to grow our family, but not really seeing any, any hope in that. That night, we were invited to Trinity Church, which I know some of you are here, and they had a prayer meeting for us, um, each as board members. And so everybody was prayed for individually. And when they got to me, Charlie, hi. <laughs> Charlie started with a very bold prayer. And I have to admit, as a person who had lost a lot of hope and faith at that point, he prayed, Lord Jesus, I pray that Tracy will have a child in two weeks. <laughs> I was like, wow! Like, I almost had to laugh. Like, I, but it was, it was irreverent to laugh, so I couldn't. But in my head, I was like, seriously, it's been five and a half years. And by the way, do you know what kind of schedule I'm on? Like, this season I'm coming into at work is insane. There is no time for a baby in the next two weeks. <laughs> Well, little did I know that she had already been born. <laughs> so that Wednesday, we had the prayer meeting. And then the next night, after we had done a whole full day of meetings together, we went out to dinner as a board. And we were in this great restaurant. Charlie and I happened to be across from each other sharing a meal. My phone rang, and it was Brooks, Alberta. I don't know anybody in Brooks, Alberta. There was about 15,000 people there. It's a small town. So I ignored the call. I figured it was spam. And then... <laughs> my phone rang again from Brooks. So I thought, well, maybe there's something. Maybe somebody actually, there's a real person on the other end. So luckily, I grabbed the phone, walked out into the lobby of the restaurant, and it was our social worker. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so she said, Tracy, you have a baby? <laughs> You've been chosen? And I was just ecstatic, of course, and... I'm sure the board thought someone had died because I came running into the restaurant and with my arms like I couldn't even talk. I was full of tears and I ran right into Charlie's arms and he had no idea what was going on. <laughs> he was so good. <laughs> just like a good pastor. He just hugged me and he just held me and finally I was able to get the words out, baby. <laughs> we have a baby. <laughs> so obviously that changed the tone for the rest of our time together as a board. They were fabulous. I was able to get on a flight the next day, really early after no sleep, and connect with my husband. By the way, the day we got the call was my husband's birthday, so it was a great birthday present. It was amazing. So yeah, we headed back, um, got to Calgary, immediately went to the hospital, met birth mom, picked up this little one. So within 48 hours of her birth, we had her. And um, the beautiful thing, there's so many beautiful parts to this story, and you've just gotten a couple of the highlights, but my husband and I served Somali refugees and Somalis when we were in our last term together. And this little one's birth parents are both from Somalia. So I just, I want you guys to be encouraged. If you are in a season of waiting, know that he is faithful. Those words, trust me, are not just for me. They're for each and every one of us. When you get to that point where you don't have the, the faith to hang on to the hope, let those around you hope for you. That's what people were doing for me. 
Let them pray for you and pray for those prayer matters. Charlie's prayer was not magic. He just got the blessing of being the final one to pray. Lots of people had prayed before. I don't know how that works, but for whatever reason, we're called to pray, and he answers in his own timing. So be encouraged and celebrate with us. Thank you so much. Okay. So be encouraged. I've had times of discouragement where we've waited and prayed and things haven't happened in the time I've hoped for. I've had lots of times where God has come through beyond what I could have ever asked or imagined. The two words that I want you to hold on to this morning when, it considers, when we consider the question, what's so important about prayer, is simply, trust me. God doesn't ask us to pray because he's unwilling until we come. And he's holding back. And until we show that we're devout and we've got it together and we're righteous on our own, then he'll answer. He's simply a good father who's waiting for his kids to come and ask because he wants a relationship with them. And when we do, he's more than, well, more than willing to give. He asks us to keep asking because he wants to be in relationship with us. He asks us to keep seeking because in the seeking of that thing, we're actually seeking his heart. He asks us to keep knocking because we have to be dependent on him for the next step and the next and the next. And that's what he longs for. And so this morning we're heading into a time of communion. I'm going to read through what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11 as Chrissy comes up. And after I'm done reading, I'm simply going to pray and give you uh, time and space to come and take the emblems on, on either side here and just partake on your own, and then we're going to close with a song when it seems like that's the right uh, time to do that. But as part of that, I want to invite you to come and be prayed for. Some of our elders are here, and we're just going to wait over on the side here, and we'll simply pray for you. It's not magic. We'll lay hands on you. If you want to be anointed with oil for healing, we'll do that as well. We're just following Scripture. And uh, we invite you to make this your time. But more than anything, I invite you to trust God. Maybe you simply need to begin with trust in order to believe in prayer. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes. And then Paul goes on to explain how serious this is. This is for those who have decided to follow Jesus. And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, now's a great time to do that. But there's a seriousness to this thing that we're encouraged to do again and again, not only to remember what Jesus has done, but to proclaim it within our hearts and others. So anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. All he's saying is if you just treat this as a thing or it's not important, it is. That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That's why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. 
But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we'll not be condemned along with the world. He's pruning us and shaping us. He wants us to come close. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home. They used to do it as part of a whole meal. Wait for each other uh, so you won't bring judgment on yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about other matters when I arrive. We take this seriously, and so I'm just simply going to pray, invite you forward. If you'd like prayer, come on over. There'll be people over here, um, and we'll pray uh, for you. If we're, If everyone who's going to pray with others is is busy at the time, just sit along the front or sit in a chair and wait and come up. And, and we don't have a formula or a prescription. We're a family. If it gets messy, that's, that's good. The most important thing is that we spend time with Jesus. We draw near. We trust God. We take the bread. We take the cup representing Jesus' body and blood and what he's done for us and continues to do for us. So let's pray. Then you can partake and be prayed for. Heavenly Father, we